Today on Who Watched the Watchmen, we'll be covering episode 7, An Almost Religious Awe, right after this ad that we have no control over. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Who Watched the Watchmen. My name is Matthew Carroll. I'm Jason Goss. As we do every week, we're going to read a five-star review from Apple Podcasts. Uh, we Our review is from, it, it says, Enhancing My Experience from Watch Dudes Rule. Wow. I nice. guess they created this just to just to uh, give us a five star. So thanks, d- thanks, 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 watch dudes rule. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, he says uh, he or she says yes makes the show better. In fact, makes the whole experience intellectually engaging, super fun, and generally unmissable. Nice. That is a great review. Thank you very that much, Watchmen's one. dudes rule. I I'm ready to talk about episode seven, man. How about you? Yeah, plow into it, man. Um, this episode again. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really want to compare it with last week's because they're both great, but th- these two episodes have taken the show to completely new heights for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the editing on this episode, her own story being vividly relived and it being juxtaposed with her father's story or her, her grandfather's story. And man, uh, the moment, the moment of this episode, like the moment that this episode did something I've never seen before and completely blew me away was when she watches her grandmother die. Yeah, that was rough. And she sees it not only as her grandmother, but because she just unplugged herself from the system, she sees it as her wife, that she has all the memories of growing up or like gr- literally growing up with yeah. she she flashes at that moment she flashes to i believe holding that girl as a baby and then flashes to hugging her in their home together she has the entire lifespan of that person in her head Ugh. i mean uh, short of birth itself i mean she she finds an uh, he finds an infant and they grow up together yeah and then for, for her to, and God, it was so heartbreaking for her to have that moment where, I mean, you know, maybe grandma's a little crazy, but you maybe, you know, you come from the same place, you can relate to her, like maybe this is a place you can find a home. They gave us like this super kind of like uh, Snow Whitey, Cinderella, uh, stepsister kind of thing where it's, um, you know, she's literally scrubbing floors and do they always talk to you that way kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's 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 an old trope they use for fables that's still around for a reason. You go from that life to oh my god, I have a home, and then the moment you get buckled in and she's doting over this is especially what did she say like this is important cargo or something like that. Oh, I and don't. You go that. from you go from doting over to uh, three or four seconds later. Well, I guess I'm just gonna ride back with no family, like I thought it was fucking twenty four hours ago. Yep, that's a roller coaster. Yep. 
it, it is one of the most emotionally impactful scenes I've ever seen. Not only the, the, the thing that you're saying, which is like, she just had, it was her chance out of this life. Oh that, yeah. That, that taste of yeah. something and just to lose it again is rough. Like you'd almost rather have never had that day. I would rather erase that day. If it were like talking like an, an eternal sunshine, sunshine kind of thing. I would rather forget that day ever existed if I were her. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it's insanely good. But then, the, then to have that combined with the idea that you have the entire life of this woman, the young life of this woman in yeah. your head, and you have a like a romantic love for her still kicking around in your head, and to see her die in front of you, man, it's just it's just an amazing moment of television. There's something that I loved about it, <clears throat> and um, I'm going to open up the big spoiler here. Oh yes, in mentioning it. But there's something I really loved about that scene and the way they've done the last couple episodes. Even in the last, uh, in the last, I guess, scene of this episode, it's uh, John saying like, well, I don't really experience anything like before. I don't have that. That, that doesn't occur to me. To have gone through what she went through, this is maybe the closest a human could ever get to experiencing time on his level. Hmm. Interesting. Like she genuinely sees that entire lifespan as just part of her existence. And she can, you know, deduce backward and forward, but it's all just part it's all just hanging out in her brain in a way that at us normally traveling at one X through time don't we don't get that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And now that we know that Dr. Manhattan is for all intents and purposes her spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that is an interesting point. <laughs> Was, I guess, and still is in a way. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they're still together based on the trailers and stuff. Uh, or, or that they got together before he was Cal. And, and, and she, she knows, she knows him as Dr. Manhattan. So I would think they're together even if he's no longer Cal. Yeah, I mean, given the, the glimpse of the next episode, it looks like she, in, in her timeline, she saw her, uh, grandmother down the street. I'm just going to presume she went back into the orphan program or uh, into the foster program, maybe. Yeah, I think I think we'll know more next week because uh, it sounds like they're going to do a flashback of her in Vietnam again and meeting Doctor Manhattan. Which the, yes, uh, I guess we shouldn't talk too much about the trailer. Uh, we should stick to the episode. But I'm <laughs> I'm just so curious about what everything's going to ha- be happening. Oh, um, I mean it, it's uh, it's it's germane to it. Like it, they're gonna. They're going to use that, but it's clear that they have a relationship that was a standing thing. And it's, I don't know, man, that last scene, there are some heartbreaking moments with her. Like when she has the moment with, with her, her grandmother, where she also, when she's remembering that gets to experience that lifespan, that's ridiculous. That's, that's obscene, like a, a heartbreaking amount of feels. And then to go from that to in her world. I don't know, like an hour later, killing the the facade of the man she's loved for what is it like seven, eight years? I don't know. We don't I, know. I really how many don't years, know yeah. how long. We are. Um, we have but, no idea. But this is the visage that she has loved, and she makes it a point to to give him that speech. You know, you were, you were my best friend, my, my, my you know my life, all that stuff. And then to just have to fucking wreck him. <laughs> just, yep. Just wreck that dude. I mean, he's gone, and <laughs> whatever we're getting afterward is Manhattan, and maybe it's played by that actor. I don't know. I really hope it is, and based on the trailer, I think it's his voice, so I think we're going to get Dr. Manhattan at, played by Cal. 
Cool. That would make sense of that actor being involved. Yeah. To have a role that big for him. We talked about it last week. And and another another pat on our own back. I, I said the sentence two weeks ago on this podcast that Cal is the Dr. Manhattan of this series. And I just meant I thought that he was going to have powers. But apparently I was like so fucking close <laughs> to like <laughs> figuring something out that I don't think we had any real clues of. So that, that, was, that was cool. <laughs> well, there was... Uh, we were on the same page. Uh, we uh, uh, Can I do a little bit of fan feedback real quick? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase. This is Kendrick Tucker wrote in again. Um, he he, he kind of points out, like, yeah, I mentioned that Cal, like, she, she kind of says Cal right before she goes out. So I got to give him credit here as a, as a, um, uh, he, he did, he was focused on that a while back, that that was a big thing for her. Um, or a big thing in that scene that was kind of going under the radar. And, you know, we kind of agreed when he brought it up a few weeks ago, like, yeah, the, that actor's a big name for somebody that's a bit part. His idea is going forward, and this is a little bit of speculation early on for us, but uh, what if he had to show himself as Dr. Hatton, Dr. Manhattan that night? Which is a cool theory, because that would mean that's why the 7th Cavalry knows who he is. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I said a couple weeks ago. Is that that's why I thought that uh, that's why I thought that Cal had powers is because they cut away from the White Knight. Oh, the cutaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they okay. cut away from the White Knight right as she's on the ground and knocked out. She passes out. There's a man with a gun over her, and then she's gone. And so I I theorized. That's why I was theorizing about him being Doctor or being having a power and that and the and the mysterious accident that we haven't heard about we kept talking about the nature of his accident turns out the accident is a lie he's just dr manhattan and the accident is his cover for why he doesn't remember his past right and it's apparently a true cover like the kind that only manhattan could do uh yeah (laughs) like that is a genuine reset button man when she's out going after him with that hammer that's just an insane scene that, that was rough to watch yeah, like the whole time she's smacking him, were you also thinking like, God, I hope she's right. Oh yeah, for sure. The whole time it's just like, I really hope this isn't some sort of mental break because she's. Yeah. I mean, she's still under the influence of some heavy stuff. I mean, like an hour and a half ago, she just found out that an elephant was uh, uh, her donor for cerebrospinal fluid. I think it was. Yeah. And then she broke out. Uh, assaulted some former teammates, rushed to her home, grabbed the first item she thought she could bludgeon uh, Calvin with, and... Made sure the kids were asleep. Yeah. Ugh. Which is a bit of a false note, in a way. Because, like, the kids are asleep, great. And and then you also know, like, shit's about to go down. What, are they going to sleep through the firefight that's happening in the like I, I didn't know where that was i don't know what her plans are for the kids well i think the the idea was she didn't want them to walk in when she's bludgeoning the guy they've gotten to know as their father i could see that she's yeah, like that are would they, be a lot to do with kids are asleep right because they don't need to see this I think right, here's a question was. though do you remember all right do you remember based on the lineage of the story those those children to to what extent are they really her and Calvin's uh, her and Calvin's children? Sorry, they're not. Uh, for some reason. I believe they're her partner's children. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That died on the White Knight. 
Okay. So her so partner all died. adopted foster situation. Yes. So her po- partner and I guess his wife or whatever or her his, his or her partner I can't remember exactly uh, yeah. died on the white night and she took they took they took in her kid their that her partner's kids. Okay. Um. That that older child. Yeah. He's the only one where I wonder. And it's, it's still just because of that scene where I, I like I think me and you couldn't decide. You said it was probably just like tech from that age, like that's what Legos are now. Yeah, I think that was just the tech. I don't think he has any tech psycho psych powers. Yeah, um, it's the only thing I wonder about because it's it to me it's still plausible that that's just something he can do, but they keep it on the deal. And he's also very grounded. Like uh, for a kid his age, he's he's got a, a serious head on his shoulders. So it, that's the only thing that's got me wondering. Like, yeah. is this actually maybe a spawn of Dr. Manhattan? But, yeah, I doubt it. No, yeah, and, I don't think so. Although, although and, he's he's just the right age that it's possible, I guess. But I don't I don't think so. I don't I don't either. I just it's out there, and I I could do without a wrap up on it. I'd be fine, but eh, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I think that was just a toy. I mean, we're supposed we're supposed to know that there's this future has all kinds of like electrical technology levitation technology and i think that's holograms just a, yeah i think it's just another example of it is all that was i think it's just yeah. that scene just a nice little, little little nod to them having they have better stuff than us that's all yeah 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 i think so because they live in a world with ozzy in it yep uh with ozzy and dr manhattan together yeah who who the question is are they still working together um man there's a lot to be said about where where these battle lines are being drawn now mm-hmm. and what's going on. Because we have from from True herself saying that the 7K uh, is, tri- is, is after Dr. Manhattan. They want to mm-hmm. kill him. Destroy him and become him. Yes. And the senator would seem to have backed up that plan. Yes. So that is the 7K's plan, it seems, and Keen's plan to become him. The question mm-hmm. is, what is True's plan? And I, I kept having the question of like, did she tell her all this stuff to get her to go back and do what she did? So if if the Seven K's plan is to become Doctor Manhattan, what is True's plan, and is it the same? Because she says, how dangerous would it be for the for the power of Doctor Manhattan to be in a white supremacist? But then. The yeah. question is, does does True think that she is a mind worth the power of Dr. Manhattan? Does True herself think she would be worthy of those powers? Yes. And I think she does. And maybe Will does too. And maybe they think that they, if they were given the powers of Dr. Manhattan, they would be able to right the wrongs of the world. Possibly. It would, it would be the kind of ego that would be befitting some of the characters that have previously been in Watchmen. Yes, absolutely. Or are currently in Watchmen. Yeah. Now, and and to your point, she finds Angela very quickly once she's uh, taken off the disconnect and, you know, gets to level zero and looks at the Dr. Manhattan machine or the, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to call it the prayer ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the prayer ball, which uh, that's another thing we called. <laughs> we Because uh, yeah. it said it was a true. <laughs> it's probably just going to true. A company. Uh, True was the company facilitating that in the box. Now, but that was before we even knew who True was, really. So, uh, but we called it. We didn't know though if it was going to be like. I think we had an idea that it was it was going to go that direction, 
that True was going to be kind of gaining something from that. But I, I mean, I, I, at no point I think did we call. No, Doctor Manhattan isn't paying attention because it's not because he's building something on Mars or maybe the Moon or whatever. It's because he's on Earth, just trying to pretend he's not Doctor Manhattan. Oh no, we had no idea that he was on Earth. I, I don't, that, I don't think we had that idea at all, and that's really cool it was a really cool misdirect that that footage in the first episode of him on mars just uh, it's just grainy in the background almost but it's just enough that it was a good misdirect Mm -hmm. i i completely bought it to the point that watching this episode when she reveals like no he's just he's in tulsa and he's just pretending to be a human like my heart rate went up thinking who the fuck could that be yeah i eventually got to cal but I was looking for other people because I I couldn't I couldn't I don't know I couldn't square that circle. With well, no, I was at first I thought that True was about to reveal that she was Doctor Manhattan for a, for a second. I wondered about that. I even wondered about her daughter. And I went through a small. This all happened over like I don't know forty five seconds for me. But I went through a small window where I was like, "Is Looking Glass fucking Doctor Manhattan?" Because because <laughs> he can do the implicit tests and his math is always fucking on point down to a, like a hundredth decimal place i, I don't yeah i don't but know then it became, I, became very clear when she said you didn't say anything when i you, you didn't ask who when she turns her around and calls her on it like you didn't ask who it was i just told you the greatest i i just gave you the biggest juiciest thing anyone's been told and i don't know how long and you didn't you didn't bat an eye yeah i was like oh no that might, it's i think that's cal but I, I, I went through, I don't know, man, I, I, I just searched my mind, and I tried to reach out as hard as I could. I even reached to Lube Guy. I didn't know. <laughs> it was Lube Desperate guy. Times. Lube Guy could be, could be. <laughs> it was uh, Desperate Times. So, there's a lot in this episode about trauma. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked about it before because trauma was mentioned as the reason we all, they all get their origins uh, we all get our origins from trauma. And in this, we see Sister Knight's trauma and that she also got her origin from trauma. Um, but the the interesting thing to me this episode was um, True's discussion about trauma when she's talking about nostalgia. She came, she created nostalgia so people could learn from their past. And instead, oh, her speech was, yeah, that yeah, was a really good thematic point. Which gives me a theory about what, what her machine might do. But I, I'll, I should we save it? We'll save it for theories. But uh, I don't. I don't. I, we, we've been so dead on on so many things. I feel like we shouldn't uh, talk theories until we call it. Um, <laughs> so let's get through a little more of the episode. But the, just that there is something they're doing with the theme of trauma and the theme of um, sort of the history of the world being built on so many traumas that. It's hard to maintain a peace. It's also hard to, like, thematically, it was such a good speech because it, it tied a lot of what you've seen in this series so far uh, together. Like, you, her idea that she wanted it to be a thing where you could relive something and learn from it. And instead, people got caught up in it. Like a bad dream they can't get out of their head. You know, it's something that's uh, it's something that eventually you tell therapists, like, I have this recurring nightmare, and it's not even a nightmare. It's just a memory I can't get out of. Or... You also tear therapists like, you know what, you know what keeps me up at one in the morning? Some non sequitur I said to my boss 12 years ago. That kind of bullshit. Yeah. Like, that's, and, and it's true. Like, you know, as a human, it's true. Anybody who has ever experienced anything, you know, along the lines of anxiety, you know, or especially social anxiety or something like that, you know, that is a real thing. You, you, 
ponder the things that went wrong and you, you don't think about what went right or what you could have done better. You don't move on. And that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. Like I loved thematically that that's a thing. And then I loved it being juxtaposed to the greatest tragedy in the history of mankind in this universe. It, it, uh, you know, Ozzy's great thing. And then some thematic resonance about her saying like, we should be able to move on from these terrible tragedies and him being the one who, I don't know, just doesn't give a fuck about the, the grand nature of his tragedy that he incited. There's something there that they're playing with and I like it. Oh yeah. It's just like Ozymandias' plan to, to bring peace to the world. It's like great, these powerful people thinking they have the best, the, what they, they can do, make the decision that is best for the world. And I think that, that is the flaw of Watchmen. It's the, it's the tragedy of the Watchmen comic book that he kills 3 million people uh, for the sake of a future that he thinks he knows best. And I think yeah. this is the same thing. They're doing something with this clock that they think that people can't uh, do for themselves. And I, I have an idea of what it is, but I'll, we'll save that for, well, for there's, uh, theories. <clears throat> there's a lot of Cold War, um, again, themes, in, in Watchmen, the original context, or the original publication. Oh, for sure. I um, mean, it's, it's, it's directly it's the about the Cold War, for sure. Yeah, and... A lot of those themes, I mean, one of them was against the backdrop of like communism being, I, I think I've asked you this before, like uh, the, the actual communist manifesto, the Marx Lenin product, the actual, the actual thing you can read sounds fantastic. It's applicable, practical nature is where it gets problematic. Like in, in theory, if you could program everyone, it sounds fantastic, but once human nature gets involved, it gets it gets tricky, to say the least. Yeah. I kind of love that they're playing with that theme now, though, still, where, like, even in that situation, it's still, like, this is a thing that I, I have this grand idea that will save us. And guess what? Human nature gets involved and gets tricky. Even Ozymandias couldn't stop it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. He was able to stop it for a time, and now eh, True has come for a along. Few minutes. Hey, 30, 30 years, you know, it's, it's not nothing to sneeze it's not, at. It's not nothing. Yeah. Uh, he held off the destruction of the world for 30 years, but, uh, at it, but he had to sacrifice so much. It's really the question. And but the thing is, we know, well, in our world, that didn't happen. So it's, we were still able to maintain that peace without a big squid. So, you know, the, the sort of tragedy of the Watchmen is that, you know, he probably didn't need to do it. He killed, I, killed 3 million that's people. That's one of my favorite parts of the book. The original book is, in retrospect, we kind of know you didn't have to go to that extreme and we were probably going to work it out to some extent. But at the time, in that climate, it sounded like it made more sense than it does now. Yeah. It would have, sure. like, extremism sounded like, well, maybe we have to go that far. And then in retrospect, no, we didn't. <laughs> we just didn't. We had, we had to talk more. So, let's see. What else have we not touched on? I love the way they started this episode. We get to see uh, a documentary about Dr. Manhattan. That was super rad. Oh, yeah. That was nice. It was really, really And even cool. the, the Manhattan Day kind of celebration kind of thing. Yes. And that's where it goes. It, go, it cuts to the Manhattan Day celebration. Or, well, it's called VVN Day. I guess uh, Victory in Vietnam Day. I assumed. Yeah. Um, 
So that's a really crazy scene. And then we get the full origin of Sister Knight, where we find out she's based on a she's based on a black exploitation character named Sister Knight. Yeah. I'm gonna give Kendrick Tucker credit for that too. He specifically mentioned black exploitation. Yes, yes, yes. A couple times. Yeah, yeah. I think he mentioned it in his feedback uh, today too, as well. That was neat. And 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 her origin is super tragic. And she just lived a life super alone. You know, she's just never had anybody. Yeah, I mean, the and the worst part for her is there's always this uh, distance between her and people who want to care about her. Like she always had people that wanted to invest in her life, and they just get taken away over and over again. Yes. I mean, those those parents cared about her. Oh yeah, they they, they were it's seemingly good parents. They they cared about what she was you know watching. They cared about how she was being raised. They wanted to set a good example. They were literally smiling at her when they died. Like those are like a Disney Pixar like example. <laughs> yeah. It, well, especially since they died. That's very yeah. Disney Pixar way to do it. <laughs> it's uh, it's pathos, man. I mean, it's like. Yeah, that was it. Was it's rough? She's got this. Her entire existence seems. Her entire origin story seems to be like just close to having a normal life where she's loved and appreciated, and instead was like, nope, we're gonna go to the like you don't fuck with Sister Knight. Yeah, well, it took me till a second viewing to really. I don't know. I'm, I'm watching this. I guess I didn't really know exactly how many kids. I forgot that. I guess Will only had one child. So this this man who is her father is Will's child, the same child we watched last episode, uh, you know, being reprimanded for putting on makeup. Yeah, scared by his parent in the masks. Yes, and I loved his his line: uh, "People who wear masks are dangerous." Yeah, um, they have something to hide. Yeah. Oh man, it's just just it's, so good. It's just such it's a great been there time. the entire series. Uh, uh, Agent Blake has been there with that line the entire time, towing that one. Yeah. Uh, they always have something to hide there for her credit. She thinks that's lesser. Like she thinks her form as an FBI agent is a better, more honest thing. Even if she is disillusioned about the entire process. Yeah, for sure. And man, baby Angela, little child, Angela is cold as hell when that, oh. it's time for that terrorist to die. And she's like, can I listen? Can I listen? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was gross. And also, you know, that's her character. She's cold. She's had yeah. a lot of pain in her life, and she's, you know, just okay with with listening to that. Well, and to, for her, it's like she's been through so much, and she wasn't going to get really any... Think about it for her. She was doing something. Someone literally grabbed her by the ear, pulled her outside, and 15, 20 minutes later, she was she was back in the orphanage doing what she was doing before. Yeah. Like, n- nothing happened to her day except for a 15, 20... Like, that could have been a bathroom break. But instead, mm-hmm. she identified her parents' murderer and listened to him die because that was cathartic for her in a way that she could process, in a way that the that cop appreciated and said, like, you need to find me in a few years. Because <laughs> you can process things on a level that I, I need you to be involved in law enforcement. Yeah, well, and then when she hands her that badge, that's a whole other part of her origin. You know, we talk about... Yeah. Uh, what mask you wear being part of your trauma in a way that badge became a symbol of her trauma and the trauma she went through, you know, that she didn't probably think of as trauma cause she wanted to listen, but the trauma she went through with that, the police officers murdering that guy in an alley. Uh, that's a, that's a different level of trauma. And sh- that she also took that on as part of her, you know, um, her uniform that she later fought under. Oh yeah. But, there's something going on with the fact that 
when we see her in this episode, she's not, she's in her uniform in a bar out. There's no, and I guess the 51st state they're calling her or something like that, that, um, she's not in a mask. There's no pretense of that, but she moves back to Oklahoma under what are essentially false pretenses into a place where the masks become necessary. Um, I, I don't know what they're dealing with there, but I feel like Manhattan probably has some answers. Uh, like yeah. She, when, like when she goes back to Oklahoma, there's just, you know, the police department was hiring and no big deal. Um, but you got to wonder to what extent Manhattan knows she's supposed to be there. Oh, for sure. Well, the problem is Manhattan knows, but does Cal? Because it sounds like Cal doesn't know much of anything. He doesn't That's remember question anything from is, the accident. He doesn't, but I wonder to what extent her and John planned it before he became Cal. So I wonder sure. like how much they were in that direction before. And it's fascinating to me that, that she was a police officer out and in a place where, by the way, you, you got to love the, the back and forth of when... As a child, she sees a criminal given a mask. She even does a flashback to it. And then he's taken out back and executed. And then as an adult, she puts on a mask to take on criminals. She's also, you know, now having relived her grandfather's memories of having a mask pulled over her head yeah, uh, to be hung. So that, that yeah, there's a lot going on with the masks. Oh, yeah. I think that... Cal doesn't know anything and I don't think they really planned much. And and here's my thinking on that. I think that like the reason Dr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan by becoming Cal has limited his power. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like chosen to limit his power. And I think he wanted to live a life with her that was sort of spontaneous and them living a life and loving together, you know? Yeah. And it makes sense for his character in the book where he says like, I should thank you for, Giving me that sense of surprise. Yeah. To Ozzy. Oh, man. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen when Lori Blake bumps into him again and realizes she's been, you know, interviewing her ex, her ex this whole time when she was interviewing (laughs) Cal? (laughs) I don't know. That part's going to be crazy. Also, one of my favorite lines from the episode has to be a fucking trapdoor. Right. I fucking loved that. I love the trap that door. That was so good. Like, I love the bit about it where I, I loved that. Uh, what's her name? The, the uh, judge wife. That. Yeah. But I mean, it, the redhead who I know because I've seen her a thousand times, but I never know where she's from. Um, The fact that she's like, oh, yeah, it was supposed to work that way. It didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. You were blathering on. Like, like, yeah. It so it was such a funny, like take on the mustache twirling thing oh yeah well no there's two moments in this that i've loved and they're both when uh that character judd's wife uh-huh. and true both just confess to their crimes oh, immediately yeah. and it reminds yeah. me of course of uh ozymandias doing the same thing and it, and it's because he thought it, and he was right it was just too late to stop them you know? Yeah. And she's just like, oh, yeah, you can't stop me. I'll admit. Oh, were you not expecting me to confess so quickly? And then she presses the button, and then the trap door doesn't work. And that just cracked me up, man. And, like, one of the buttons kind of works, and she's just sitting there kind of confused. What is happening? And then, oh, my God, trap door. Yeah. What, what is going on? What, she, I, I can't believe Lori Blake didn't jump up. Come on. 
Come no, on, Lori Blake. The, 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 the one of the reasons I like the trapdoor line, that like a fucking trapdoor, is because it's so over the top. Yeah. I, like, on the one hand, they were giving her an out where she wasn't a mustache twirling villain. On the other hand, they gave her a fucking prop like a fucking mustache twirling villain. So, on the one hand, she was like, I think if, uh, if Judd's wife had pulled a gun right then, Blake would have shot her down. No questions asked. Put two in her head before she even got the gun raised. That's the kind of thing she's prepared for. Fucking trapdoor? Yeah. In your living room. I'm with you. I think you're right. I think you're right. That's the kind of over-the-top nonsense she was not prepared. And then later she talks about, I'm so tired of this shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, this and this obviously leads... So, she kind of is the mustache-twirling villain in that she's apparently a white supremacist. And... So is Keen, apparently. I, well, he would not admit to that. I don't think Keen thinks of himself as a white supremacist. And in that previous episode with Wade, he was saying that, you know, oh, no, I don't, I'm not with these guys. I'm just leading them to control them. He says one of the lines that I hear a lot in my personal life being where we come from. Um, he claims to not be a white supremacist. And then he also claims like it's getting really hard to be a white man in America these days. Like, yep. Boo fucking who? Yeah, one, but one of my best, one of the best lines of the episode though. It's tough to be a white man in America today. Yeah. I thought I might try being a blue one. I loved the fact that they they added all the implicit racism up front, and then that's the true turn of the villain of the series. And uh, as they're going to set him up right now, he's top villain, um, because he intends to, you know, supplant Doctor Manhattan. Like the idea that implicit racism is really what we're dealing with. Explicit racism, yeah, we all know the fucking hoses and dogs in Birmingham was fucking wrong where no one's on the other side of that issue or at least no one sane is but there are other more complicated gray issues that the show pointed out and then took uh, took a measure on and then even points out the fact that it's essentially the white guy saying like yeah you know the scales took too far in the other direction yeah and and obviously I think he is you know we we talked a lot about whether he is a bad guy or whether he's whatever but I think Mm -hmm. he is I think he is I think Judd was at least to some degree um, part of this Cyclops organization but the question that I have is true any better because I think that in many ways you know the, 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 the tragedy that Vite was trying to stop in Watchmen was the destruction of the world, and so he was willing yeah. to kill three million. So, what is it that True is going to be willing to sacrifice to try to stop him from becoming Doctor Manhattan? And is it going to be worth it? I, I think the racism they're building into the show is the new uh, arms race. Yeah, I agree. Like the fact that people are getting polarized now over racist issues in a way that they. I don't know. There's a lot of gray area people aren't considering. Whereas back in the eighties, when their source material was written, it was, it had a lot to do with the fact that there was an arms race and it was a, it was literally called a cold war. Like we didn't understand each other. That was almost part of the landscape is we just didn't understand each other, but we were building up arms in case. Yeah. And then now we're doing a very similar thing in tone where, you know, people are picking sides, uh, getting a bit xenophobic at times. And it has to do with not understanding the other person to me my personal take but a lot of it has to do with a lack of empathy yeah absolutely a lot of just understanding where somebody else is coming from i i think that that's the part that they're keeping and they're just changing the mechanism 
Yeah, I think that that's, that that is a huge part of this, but I don't. I think that is true. I think that is very true in the real world that most of what our problems that we're facing is a lack of empathy, and I don't just mean from one side or the other. I think that there's a lack of empathy coming from both sides that mean we can't ever have a conversation, and I, I think that is very much what's actually wrong. Yeah, people come in too charged. Yeah, yeah, ready yeah. Ready to actually have a conversation, but based on true speech. I don't think she thinks that's the problem. And that's, that's what I, I think she thinks the problem is people's trauma and people, and she, she may be right, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I think she thinks there's too much. Should we, uh, before we get into theories, I got a couple of more things I want to spit out, but I I feel like I'm I'm just dancing too close to this theory and I I don't, (laughs) I don't want to bring it up because I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared. I'm right. Is the problem. All right. Hold on. Let me distract you with one thing about true that struck me. Okay. She talks about how her nostalgia was used the wrong way, that it was focusing on pain. And then when she's, when you hear from her daughter, who is actually apparently her mother, you, you hear nothing about the pain. Like, I think she's falling prey to the same thing she thinks she's trying to condemn. We, you hear nothing about the pain? What do you mean? Because all you hear about is the pain, as far as I no, understand. Uh, sorry, that's what I meant to say if I didn't say that. Um, that's what you hear about from her daughter mother. Yes. <laughs> from her daughter mother? <laughs> the, the, like, the pain of her uh, being installed with this, this nostalgia uh, life. And, and I don't know what's going on with the my dad's not here yet thing hopefully that's part of your theory because i i have a couple but i'm on the oh fence. yeah yeah i don't know well um, I, I have, that's a whole different thing like who her parents are and who she is i, I still maintain some of my previous theories might still have some weight, weight but we'll see um, I, I don't think they're disprovable yet but the yeah. fact that there is pain and she's she said the failure of nostalgia was that people focused on the pain and wanted to relive that and didn't want to actually focus on the future and change. And then she brings her fucking mother back and puts that clone through pain. Right. So she can have her moment that I feel like if we go back into her story, which I think we're going to get at some point, I feel like we're going to go back into her story and it's going to be one where she is, I don't know, dejected a little bit. Like, I think we have a moment, a flashback in, in True's future. Or in our future with True, I think we have a flashback of True's past where she is experiencing some great climactic moment of success, what should be reward and adult, uh, I don't know, adult admiration that's completely denied her. That maybe she wants this because that's the thing she's been fighting. Yeah. Hmm. Just mom and dad didn't care. Yeah, no, that's and they kept pushing. You know, that's definitely that's definitely in, in there. Uh, that she's still just a person. That that's that human flaw you were talking about because she's not just trying to save the world. She's also trying to deal with her own trauma and make her parents proud. Which and is, might, uh, as you mentioned earlier, have the narcissistic. She she might have the ego to think she can do both at the same time and. You know, so did Hitler. He thought he could do the East and the West, and he got flanked. Okay, so let's see. Other things we need to touch on. Uh, looks like Wade is quite a good fighter. Oh, I was really happy to see that. Yeah, we speculated could, last week it, it, we, that Wade maybe is more of a mental guy and not really a fighter. Nope, he can that, fight. This was my hope, was that he he wasn't just there as some analyst. Right. Either that or someone else saved him, but... 
it looks like I love to see them walk in a room and it's just like, last we saw Wade, he was about to die by the hands of these five guys with guns. Oh, mm-hmm. they all died instead. I just love that building of the mythos <laughs> Everyone of Everyone has bullet holes in them. Oh, it's and beautiful. And Wade is in the wind. It's beautiful. It's awesome. I love it. I also think uh, after their conversation, was it Petey is his name? The guy who finds him? Uh, yeah, Petey. Uh, the guy she keeps condescending to much like Mirror Guy? Well, his name's Petey. Um, I mean, I know, but... <laughs> What adult calls himself Petey? Yeah, that, that's that's his own fault. You're going to get <laughs> condescended to if you, if you call yourself Petey. Sorry to all of our Petey listeners. I'm sorry. It's one of those names that, like, as you get older, you're like, my name's Pete. Yeah. Um, it's Pete. Just just Pete, please. Please, Mom. <laughs> I, I hate to sound so namist, but yeah. Um, <laughs> namist. It, it, it's, it's also one of those things where... Uh, I saw that, and I thought, great, he can fight. And I also thought, ah, uh, Petey's the only one who knows that she was off the map. He's going to find her. He's going to find her, and he's going to be validated. Because mm. after all, that dude passed FBI training. Yeah. He's going to track down Blake, save her, and she's going to be like, oh, good job, Petey. <laughs> Why are you fucking still calling me Petey? Son of a bitch. You would have died. It's like, do you want a cookie? And she's going to move on with her day. So... The the thing that has me interested, uh-huh. if Vite and True are connected, which uh, I got I got to throw this in. I noticed this as I was I was looking at Vite and True, like the names. I realized they had the same number of letters, mm-hmm. and I was like, maybe there's some sort of cipher here. Like yeah, these Lindelof shows love to do like weird things like this is, and I thought maybe there's a cipher. So I started like looking at the letters and the names and I yeah. realized, think about the names Vite and True. If you turn True backwards, it almost says Vite. <laughs> it, the U, if the U was a V and the R was a D, it would say Vite. It is so close visually to like being a mirror image of each other. Yeah, I mean, pronunciation wise, I don't think it makes sense. Oh no, but not at visually, all. Purely it visually, purely visually, could be a cue. I think that's some now sort I of. Now I want to find some sort of um, that an anagram when all the letters make another word. Yeah, or I, w- I was thinking it'd be like a cipher, like maybe like uh, if you took all the letters and uh, up tw- up fifteen letters from where they are in the alphabet, they would become each other or something. Yeah, something uh, like that. Some sort of like. I was looking at him like a puzzle. Stuff. Yeah, I was looking at him like a puzzle, like I was in an escape room because that's how obsessed I've become with the show. I'm sitting here literally drawing <laughs> different versions of R and the, the letter R and the letter D to see which one's like if you flipped an R this way, it looks like a D. If you flip if you flip a if you flip a uh, like a uppercase R ninety uh, 180 degrees, if you get a D. <laughs> it's just like you don't, you don't want to go sit down where you're like, well, if you flip a V, it's 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 really just an up and down. It's a cuneiform for the old Egyptian letter of <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm fucking I'm fucking geese. I'm I'm in here with my red strings, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like I I'm really I'm Charlie I Charlie I, with his red strings. I think they're connected. I don't know exactly how. Yeah. Uh, well, here's my question about that. Expound your theory. Here's here's what Are I here's what I really like about that. Not even getting into theories yet. What mm-hmm. I like that if they're connected somehow, then we now have a Vite who's trying to escape. We have a Dr. Manhattan who is now in Tulsa, 
and we have Lori Blake who's been brought to Tulsa. We have we're going we are possibly going to have three Watchmen, like Watchmen from the 1985 comic book, in this show. OG Watchmen. OG Watchmen in this show, and you know one ones we we already we already do we already have three Watchmen in this show, which I just was not expecting. You know, no, <laughs> I was no, expecting. I thought we were going to get a complete remix in yeah. the sense that we weren't going to get as many callbacks and. You know, uh, originally they seeded it with the vignette about American horror, uh, not horror, American hero story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting to actually see them and seeing their stories and their backstories played out like, no, we've got we've got serious people here, like skin in the game from the original people. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. This story is not derivative and it's not it's not new in, in the sense that it's whole cloth or anything like that. It's. It, it's it's well, a remix. I guess derivative mathematically because uh, it, it can be derived of the original parts. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely got a lot of the same themes, and it's obviously a part of the same canon, apparently. Uh, yeah, but and man, super it's, respectful of the canon. Yeah, like, for sure. In in ways that I did not expect. It's it's been yeah. it's been awesome, man. You can tell Lindelof and the showrunners in general. You can tell these people really love it. Yeah, and Lindelof at some point said. You know, because somebody asked him, well, where are we going to see Dr. Manhattan? He said, I'm not going to give you, de-, and paraphrasing deeply, but he said, I'm not going to give you details, but being a fan of the comics, if I did this, I would be super pissed if I didn't see Manhattan. Right. Yeah, of course. And speaking that. of, we finally get the moment where we're going to get to see Manhattan here. We don't see him on screen yet this episode, but you get to man, the glow. the glow of him and, and the, the way they introduce him is just mind-blowingly good when she bashes her head in of her loved one, pulls his yep. head open, pulls out this ring that is like the symbol of hydrogen she that Dr. Manhattan excavates is. that thing yes. from his oh, fucking it's so skull. so gross. And I was almost certain that her, their goth son was going to walk down the stairs and see this. Oh, the whole time I'm waiting for something to go super sideways. And yeah. it will, I'm sure. But when he says, you're not yourself, and she says, no, John, you're not yourself. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, I'd already figured it out, but it was just such a beautiful line. And then as she's bashing his head in, Life on Mars, David Bowie, a piano version of David you Bowie's Life on Mars. Too. Yes. Oh, so good. So I, I fucking good. I didn't see anyone credited, so I assume that's a Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross version of Life on Mars. And Trent Reznor is a giant fan of David Bowie. Like, I think his favorite bands include... The Cure, I know, it's maybe his favorite band, and David Bowie's way up there. But yeah, like I, it's one of those things where I heard the melody, I was like, oh, fuck it, oh, I know that melody. I'm gonna, oh, man. The, I'm going to listen to this over and over again. The only version I would have preferred is the version from Life Aquatic. Have you heard that one? I'm sure I have, because I've seen the movie. Oh, man, but. in Life Aquatic, there's a, the all of the music, all the music that, there's a, there's a guy playing guitar throughout the movie, and I forget what even language, oh, yeah, I think it's like Portuguese, I think he's speaking, but he sings all David Bowie songs in Portuguese, and, and there's nice. a, it's just a beautiful Portuguese version of David Bowie's Life on Mars, it's great. I like it, that feels, that feels right for those movies. And then with, with blue glow on her face, she says, baby, we're in fucking trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'd loved this though, like to to leave to leave that scene to have that song be the thing in the background. Um, I looked up the lyrics just because I was I was like, there has to be a reason. I know I know the song, but there has to be a reason. I, I didn't know it that well. And I'm just gonna read you the lyrics on the chorus real quick. It won't take a second. Oh yeah, go for it. Sailors fighting in the dance hall. Oh man, look at those cavemen go. 
It's the freakiest show. Take a look at the lawn man beating up the wrong guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Take a look at the lawman beating up the wrong guy. Oh man, wonder if he'll ever know. He's in the best-selling show, Is There Life on Mars? Oh man. How did Super they not relevant. use that in Watchmen? Super relevant to Super what we're doing. Super relevant. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for looking that up. That's beautiful. I know all those words, but man, in that context. Kind of sad I almost turned that entire phrase into like a lawnmower man. Yeah, it's like lawn man. I think it's thing. lawman. <laughs> the lawn but, man. You know, what lawn Sorry. what guy is the lawn man supposed to be beating up? <laughs> I don't know. Lawn man beating up the wrong guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, she has a plan to say. Let, let, it, but last, last thing before we get into some theories. Uh-huh. Uh huh. At least last thing I've got is another amazing music drop in this episode. Mm-hmm. Amazing music drop is every time you go away, you take a piece of me with you. Uh, oh, that is that. playing as her grandmother dies, and oh. she, and she, and she. It cuts to. It's playing long before she dies, and I was actually watching it. Is that the Paul Simon? Uh, I, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know. It's so eighty sorry. It's not Paul Simon, I don't believe. Okay. Uh, but it's, it, I'll, I'll look it up. But as as her grandmother is putting I'll her in the car, talking. they're actually sitting and talking all about, uh, all about taking her away to America. But the thing is, that mm-hmm. song this this the show has been so consistently. Uh, spot on with the lyrical content of the of the song drops that when they were playing every time you go away you take yeah paul young uh every time you go away you take a piece of me with you i was like Mm -hmm. what does that mean that doesn't mean anything for her to be leaving vietnam and i this this show has trained me to pay attention to the lyrics of the songs they're using so uh, so when that was going on i was like what why why is that uh, why? And then she dies, and I, I, I bawled, man. It was, it is so, so emotionally impactful. I didn't catch that. I, I just, I, I loved the input, the, the importance of the scene, but I did not catch the musical cue on that. Ugh. And you're right, that makes it much deeper. It's really, really beautiful. Uh, there's a what is the name of that song? Hold on, uh, it's Nine Inch Nails. It's the only other time I've thought that I heard anything. Um, Anything in the Nine Inch Nails catalog that was like, no, that I think that's, I think they did that on purpose. And it was, uh, I think it was right where it belongs, uh, a track off with teeth. And part of the theme of that song is like, what if everything around you uh, was, was just a dream kind of thing. And uh, to, to the extent that the whole song is performed in this very studio version and later in the song, as he's going, what if everything around you um, is it fades in audience sounds and fades them out again. Hmm. He literally dropped like four notes that I thought, no, 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 no. Oh, like they, they, those are th- that's a callback to something. I've heard that before. That's cool. Like enough that I was like, no, 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 I know that I've got to I've got to think about it. It took me about 20 minutes to figure out. No, this is where it's from. Let, let me give a shout out to my buddy, Josh Jordan, who I spent mm-hmm. all day talking about Watchmen with uh, uh-huh. because we're bi- we're both pretty obsessed. Uh, he came he came at me with a theory today that I love. It's not it's not a theory about future stuff. It's just a connection that he noticed. Uh-huh. Um, Cyclops, you know, the, the Cyclops is somehow related to all of their traumas and I, and mm-hmm. I'll, and I'll, I'll throw, throw out what I'm talking about. The Cyclops 
organization is is clearly Will's trauma. Uh, but Doctor Man, well, the, the Doctor Manhattan is probably True's trauma. Uh, if she's actually from Vietnam and he has the third eye, he has a tattoo of hydrogen that mysteriously looks a lot like an eye right where his third eye should be, which is kind of a Cyclops thing. Uh, the puppet man had one eye, which was, uh, the right, that a sister Knight experienced the trauma. Wade's mm-hmm. trauma was the big one eyed monster that appeared in New York city. So we knew the Cyclops organization was a thing, but Cyclops as a concept, like a one eyed being has been sprinkled through this show in various ways. And I thought that was pretty neat. Okay. I'll one up him and really double down on this. Ready? Uh, yeah, yeah. That has all taken place during the time that Ozzy was, kind of abstaining right like he created this breathing room what what do you mean what has all taken place all of all of these people's traumas they took place post the big event uh well if if we're talking about true's trauma probably not and if we're talking about because that was vietnam vietnam and then if we're talking william's trauma that also took. you're right you're right all right sorry all right but Bear in mind that Vietnam is the thing that I was thinking about when I said that. <laughs> All right, so Vietnam being part of the trauma, which I think is a theme that the show is willing to include, is like, yeah, Vietnam was a, a fucking weird time. Um, and then the trauma. And this is something I only noticed this episode. That fucking Cyclops logo they have, y- you just turn that thing 90 degrees and it's the thing on Ozzy's chest. Hmm. The thing it, on Ozzy's chest, like on his in his is uh, Ozzy Mandy's like uniform? on his golden armor. Hmm. I have to I have to look that up. Look at that. It just looks like one eye on his chest, which makes sense in a lot of ways because he based a lot of his mythology off uh, Alexandria and some of the Egyptian gods, and he like you know uh, Ramesses and stuff like that. He based a lot of his stuff on ancient mythology and gods. And oh, that's yeah. I'm looking at it now. You're right. I had forgot, forgotten that symbol been, was there. Like the Eye of Osiris and shit like that. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Oh, man. How did I not? He uh, might have had control of this the entire time. It could all be the Watchmaker's son to play. Now, that makes me think uh, of time travel uh, somehow that all this is leading to something where Ozymandias this, goes though. back and Ozymandias is Cyclops or something. I'll tell you this, though. Just from a... I'm paraphrasing again. I... Lindelof was talking and fuck it. I, my memory is not that damn good um, or good at all. Uh, but he did mention that what Ozzy is experiencing is in the same relative time frame as what we are experiencing in the show. Mm, relative time frame. I, interesting. I he don't. He left himself an outlier, but he kind of said that it's. Based, and which is weird because. Can we go straight to the what the fuck is he up to portion? Well, yeah, we 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 were assuming on a previous episode that every one of these has been a birthday because he's been given this cake, and it, we know yeah. we know he said he's been there four years, and we know he was happy at first, which in that first episode he was pretty happy with being there, and Seemingly. so it, it seems like this has been a uh, this has been a four to five year process. Maybe I think it's seven now. I think it's basically every episode's been a, been a year. And then this episode, they actually called it out and said it's been 365 days. And said it's been 364 days. Yeah. 64 or 65. Anyway, one of the two. There there were confusing things. Like, uh, first of all, his defense was confusing. Um, I don't know what he's going for there because, like, 
his response to 365 days of uh, being literally prosecuted by what is either a jury or a, a, a you know, just a courtroom full of people that he he was master of, and I love that the, they got to call him out for all that. Mm-hmm. You know, the second he pulls us out of the river, it's you know the the one mandate, no one leaves, and all that stuff. That's fantastic. Um, I'm still a little dubious about the, the the game warden, whether that's just another one of the clones. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it can't really tell. looks like him. It but looks they like they only him a lot. show him from afar. Yeah, and it's just hard to tell. Uh, with with the mustache, just... he's got the mustache, and he's got his face covered. Mask. Yeah, yeah, no. It makes me feel like uh, all those like people that say like when you look at someone in a mask, you're like, how how did they not know it was them? And you're like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe there's not. There's a lot of credence to it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I've seen I don't him. Know if it's him. I've seen about five minutes with this guy on screen. Right now. I don't fucking know. All right. Um, well, you want to dive into theory stuff? Yeah. Shoot. Uh, okay. Theory time. Uh, she says, "I have a plan to save the world that starts in Tulsa." Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, then, then her speech is nostalgia didn't work because people focused on the trauma. Uh, she says count, and then she ends that speech with countless generations will have our work will look upon our work without despair. Countless generations will look upon our work without despair. She's talking about yeah, the despair, utopia. despair that they experience because of their trauma. Um, mm-hmm. What if she is trying to? It destroy their trauma. So my thought is that the clock might be a thing. And she also talks about new begin or she talks about beginnings. Like this is this is the beginning of the new world or something like that. She says some some something to that effect. What if this clock is uh erases everyone's memories? <laughs> Everyone in the world. I wonder if that's where you're going, but yes. All right. One, she knows that Cal's been here the entire time as Manhattan. Right. She's also building this giant device, which, by the way, did you remember the one crane shot where they go over the top of that device? Yeah. And they show, I genuinely, like, there was a pit in my stomach that opened up. I have a, a real fear of heights. Huh. Yeah, I get that. That's funny. Like, it, that, that was visceral for me. Like, oh, I don't like that at all. Um, but yeah, you may be absolutely right. Like, there's, it's, it's definitely warranted. Like, she may just, cause, Part of her theme from this episode was everyone focused on the bad. And then maybe she knows that, like, eh, when everyone restarted, they were good. They found a place. They were happy. We didn't have all this baggage. Maybe this is just a giant reset machine. She's not yeah. trying to show the world some greater evil. She's just trying to show them, what if we just start from nothing? Do you remember Ozymandias's, uh origin story in the comics? Like, what were his parents like? No, I, I can't I remember. Don't. I think we did get that story in the comics, and what I'm we wondering, did, but it was in one of the back pages that I, I've read like twice. Okay, what I'm wondering is, and it's been too long. So I, I said it on my theories in previous episodes. I still think it's possible that Vite is, or that True is Vite, uh, even though the only thing that's really got me thinking that's not is that her grandmother apparently has a lot of uh, uh, baggage. Uh, a lot of baggage, and we, that's what I was curious about, uh, or her mother, I should say, her mother. Uh, and I'm I'm curious as to whether his parent, what his parents were like. 
um, and, and whether they they were they had hard times that he could be that that could be their trauma. There's also a thing they're doing though, where like she's building she's building on the idea that you know we we can you may be right. She may be building on the idea that we can just erase some of these tragedies, but in doing so, and it would fit with the the show um, that in doing so, she's focusing on the same tragedies that she's uh, blaming nostalgia's downfall. Uh, <laughs> That she's saying, like, this is the thing that humans did that I didn't expect, and it's a bad thing. But she's doing it as well, and especially when her daughter-mother is talking about there was so much pain, I kind of think her daughter-mother was part of the New York problem. Part of the New York problem? That she was in New York on the day. Interesting. See, I think that she was just part of... She's from Vietnam, if she's from Vietnam, which uh, it seems like. I think that she was part of uh the people that were being attacked by dr manhattan and she talks about running through the woods and america attacking you know is attacking her country and dr manhattan is a part of that and we know we already see there's a lot of people who have horrible experiences from that with all these people in vietnam that we saw this episode and uh yeah i th- I, I, I think it's yeah, I, I think right. that 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 actually is the one that part seems more likely that is the one part that's making me think this whole thing of my whole theory about them being the same person is probably not true because it seems like um, true is more motivated by her. True is lining up with the, the anger in William about how America treated him. uh, And, and as specifically these white supremacists treated him is lining up pretty well with how, true would probably feel about the way America treated her and specifically the blue supremacists treated her. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's very possible that they're, they're basically their side is sort of representing a powerful group of people who've been, who have attained power, even though they, you know, didn't start with it. And, but they're still being guided by their trauma instead of, you know, trying to make peace with the people who had oppressed them, you know? Yeah. And that's the question is like, how much is that, how much is that their responsibility and how much is it not, you know? So then we're dealing with a, an era where um, they're using Vietnam to juxtapose the idea of like imperialist consequences on both sides, like on, in America's version of the story you know they they went to vietnam they won the war and there was a 54 state what what's the big deal right but a lot of people historically especially if you look like britain or spain or something like that uh it's gonna come across as pretty imperialistic oh yeah and the same way that all of the well you know we just did what we did and what's the big deal like when you look at the history of racism now for him might there's a lot of similarities to it oh yeah for sure. And so I think that they're lining up to be on the same side because of that. And it's sort of um, bring down the oppressive nature of the society once and for all, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what all that has to do with erasing their traumas and things like that. like that, Or, or if that's going to factor in at all. I, like, I think the fact that there's focus on where is the trauma and what do I need to erase, I think there's going to be a lot of gray area there that's the kind of the point when this all comes to bear in a few episodes. But what I mean, do you have any propositions about the TikTok? Hmm. Well, I don't know. It's I mean, it's been being used apparently ever since uh 
on the streets. Uh, ooh, 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 man, I just had a thought. Um, so the first time chronologically that's used is it's told to Wade by his missionary pastor guy. Mm-hmm. He says TikTok. Um, we also have the clock. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think I think it's well. Obviously, it's Watchmen. It's a reference to Watchmen. Period. The the clock and the yeah the, the time, doomsday clock the doomsday clock. But I mean, the new series is literally named that. Yep. And and this they said we have three days left. So I think we're getting. I'm not sure, but I think it's possible we've gotten one day for each Watchmen episode. And it's, it's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about it. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I think I have thought about it, but it's a series called Watchmen. Its precursor in the comics was called Minutemen, and its current timeline right now in the comics is called Doomsday Clock. Oh yeah, it's it's it always has a has a time always has thing. a clockmaker. So I think TikTok TikTok is just a it's a thing that people say. But I just thought about the fact that the first time we hear it chronologically is that missionary who's coming mm-hmm. to uh, New Jersey takes Wade to New Jersey. He's like Wade TikTok. He says that, and now yeah. I'm like, wait, could he have been Cyclops? I mean, he was from Tulsa, uh, where I mean, maybe or maybe not Cyclops. But you got to wonder, like you said before, we have all these players in a crucial time and a crucial place. And going to the the trailer for the next episode, it's uh, she calls him on like, well, okay, maybe you see see time that way. But was there a moment when you fell in love with me? Because he uh, apparently in the trailer he comes to her and just says, "I'm already in love with you." Right. Well, and, he, and well, he knows he will be anyway. He says, "Yeah, yeah, it's I've, a fore- I've already seen it. conclusion for him." I, I love, by the way, he goes in on Vivian Day or whatever because yeah. basically he's going in when it's okay for him to walk around as a blue dude. Yes, which I thought was he goes awesome. he goes in there, and I love uh, it. It does kind of exclude some of our earlier theories about maybe true, uh, where he goes into a bar on the same day, and they're using two bits of the old uh, storytelling that one, he goes into a bar in V-Day or Vietnam day. And he doesn't watch Blake shoot down a woman who's pregnant. Yeah. yeah that's presumably. True. I mean, I don't know the next episode, but presumably. And he also goes into that bar and he, they have that same shot of him talking about the perspiring glass. Hmm. Like it's very similarly like he hold he hands her the cold perspiring glass and all that. That's true. Yeah, we we did see the first Vivian day mm-hmm. uh, in Watchmen. Then we see another Vivian day when she is uh she has her origin story as Sister Knight and now we're going to see another one when she meets uh Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Mm. I just real really good show, man. I'm loving it. I I want so much more. I want to know if the 7K, as of now, it seems like, at least according to True, the 7K and Keen and Judd were working together. All these white supremacists, all that, were working together, and then that True and Will are the opposite side from them. But I'd really like to know... Like, when she sends Angela out the door, does she know that she is inspiring Angela to go unlock Dr. Manhattan from his tunnel? I wonder, though, uh, and I think that's where I was going before, was I wonder to what extent, with all the people that you've mentioned were were there, or are there currently now, to what extent Manhattan, having seen this from all sides, from all angles, from all possible times... 
knew that already and had already started orchestrating certain things. Well, I think that he did, but also, as we hear in the trailer for next week, he says, you can't save me. We know she's there. That's what opens the door for me to think that is like, we know she's there and we know that, uh, you know, in all fairness to him, part of the reason he loves her was she, she tries to save him anyway, even though he tells her you can't. Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of, you know, the thermodynamic miracle miracle, you know, that he would talk about is no, you, you cannot predict every single living cells outcome, especially when it pertains to humans. Hmm. We are going to make some fucked up decisions for no damn good reason. It's literally, it's one of my favorite parts of uh, the Cornetto trilogy from <laughs> from Edgar Wright yeah. and Simon Pegg and everybody and Nick Frost and everybody like that. Is it, the end of that movie and end of the world is literally the aliens saying, but we can make this better. And them saying, go fuck yourself. Yep. We don't want to make it better. <laughs> We want to do what we want to do. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, there's a lot of great movies that have that theme of freedom. Yeah. I actually just wrote a song about it. Uh, kind of. Nice. Uh, it's like, even if you can make it better, I still want to be free. I'm not going to be a slave to this. Oh, yeah. No, there's a great argument that uh, Clockwork Orange made against against the idea of brainwashing, being that if if you're a man who's brainwashed and makes what seemingly is better decisions... You're also not as much of a person as you were before because you're not making that decision anymore. That oh, was taken sure. from you. So you can't decide good and bad anymore. You're just a pawn of what someone else thought was. So, Well, and that's, you, know. uh, you ever seen Serenity? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, Serenity is that. It's, it's that, you know, uh, the government thought they could uh, change people to be better. It didn't work out for them. Uh, I, I, yeah. I love that. No, Mal, Mal's character throughout is I don't care what ideology you bring to the table. I'm going to be me because I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Period. He's going, Mal's going to I don't Mal. care if you bring God or politics or whatever. I'm going to wear this brown jacket and shoot the people I think need shooting. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's about all we got for today. I had one other theory and I've, I've it's, it's jumped out of my head. Oh. Mm-hmm. What do you think is in the thing that spell fell from space in the, a few episodes ago when Lady True? God, I, I still don't know. It has farm. to be important. No idea. I, jo- Josh threw out the theory earlier today. Uh, what if that was Vite? It could be, but things would still have to be in a relative time frame. And I think if you do the time of this show, that was several years before when Lady True takes on that farm isn't it we don't know uh they, we know that she's already building the clock so it wasn't that long ago because she's already building the yeah clock. you're right we don't know um so she's already building the clock so that could have been literally like part of these episodes um but i that, that i thought that was a great theory uh that, that's possibly him coming. It's, it's a good theory him coming i don't home. know anything my gut's telling me it has to do with manhattan yeah and not could be vite but i don't have a good reason to say that versus Vite. It, it could very well be. I'd have to flip a coin. Yeah. No, I no clue. No clue what that was that fell from space. No idea still. Nothing. All right, guys. Uh, well, we'll be back next week. Talk about episode eight. Only two episodes left. And it sounds oh. like we're actually going to get Dr. Manhattan. And I really hope he's played by the same actor as Cal. I think he is. Based on the, the voice, I tried to listen closely and I, it sounds like it's him. So that would be great. All right, guys. We'll be back. And as always, we're not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with us. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome.
Thank you for listening to Who Watched the Watchmen. If you want to hear more from Jason Goss, check out the DC On Screen podcast. If you'd like to hear more from me, Matthew Carroll, check out the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, the Star Trek Universe podcast, or the Orville Universe podcast. I also make music, so you can check that out anywhere you get music. Just search for Matthew Carroll. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.